0: Hello, Russell. I'm Lori Gallardo. Thank you for taking the time to do this.
1: Sure. Good to speak with you.
0: Well, just to be upfront about absolutely everything, you are dealing with a genuine nerd, and I don't hide it. There's no way I can hide my uh, enthusiasm running over, so I hope you don't mind that. I'll try to... Oh, that's
1: great. Well, thank you.
0: Nothing is
2: as good as they say it is. That's the way it is. I wish I'd known. Born just 22 hours ago but I want to go back to my former mama,
0: mama, can you I'm one of those individuals who has seen the wonderful sparks Brothers documentary 10 times now
1: wow you're hardcore that's that's great yeah we we owe a lot to, to Edgar Wright you know he was one of the um the bold ones who was, you know so much a fan of Sparks, but then also was really wanting to, you know, stake his name and you know, and his filmmaking reputation on Sparks, which is pretty rare and, un- and unheard of for a you know a really great filmmaker to to want to do that and say I'm going to take three years of my life and follow this band around the world and gather together all the amazing interviewees that he had in the documentary and to, you know, really want to spread the word about what he felt was, you know, some sort of, you know, injustice to the band that he felt there's absolutely no reason why Sparks shouldn't be a household name. We didn't want it to be like kind of just focusing on one era that, you know, some people may feel, oh, that's. The golden era of sparks or that's the golden era but from edgar's perspective he felt that everything we've done all is part of a whole you know a whole world view sparks worldview and that it's all equally relevant and that people should be aware of all of the albums
0: I have been a fan of Edgar Wright myself and I somehow saw this as a perfect match because of the sense of humor that he has. And I felt that it really complemented Sparks' sense of humor. What was it exactly about Edgar that attracted you uh, to him as the person who would be the one to do the documentary?
1: You know, well, one thing we knew, Edgar's a really cool filmmaker, and we love his films and not only does he have um you know it's there's humor in his films but there's also something else as well. There's a really kinetic style to his filmmaking that's kind of on par with Sparks' kinetic style of music as well. And so we felt that if anybody could kind of capture what Sparks does in a musical way, it would be kind of Edgar in a in a filmic way. And he he does have a sense of humor in his filmmaking but he's also a real musical person. He's just a music geek. And so he, you know, he, he did this extensive research of some things that he maybe wasn't aware of from Sparks and had an amazing team that did a lot of archival stuff. The main thing was we didn't want it to come across as a piece that was kind of uh, focusing on one era that, that it's, all part of something that's that's very much ongoing and from edgar's perspective what sparks is doing now is maybe even more progressive and dynamic and forward thinking than some of the stuff we've even done in the past so it's kind of like it's a very much ongoing endeavor and that maybe sparks best days are here and yet to come
0: you've nailed it right there because there's so much more i feel on the way
1: Yeah. It's a battle. It's a battle always just when, you know, when you've had 26 albums to kind of keep finding challenging ways to present what you're doing that hopefully aren't um, kind of rehashing what you've done. And that's always the the challenge. But we, you know, we're really proud of the the new album and we're, you know, particularly proud of the live presentation because I think that people that come to see us that aren't that familiar with the band, and maybe it's the first time they've seen us live, they come away kind of, kind of in disbelief that the band that has this long of a history is kind of not seeming like a band with that long of a history. <laughs> the girl is crying in her latte, yeah
2: The girl is crying in her latte, sad The girl is crying in her latte, wow The girl is crying in her latte, bad. Now she's leaving the place Someone's taken a place Orders that takes a seat Looks like it's a repeat The girl is lying in the rock.
0: What's exciting to me, Russ, is introducing people the way I was introduced to the band. It's endless musical discovery right there. Even if there's a person who is kind of racking their brain going, how did I not know about the existence of Sparks?
1: No, we, we get that same kind of comment all the time from the really young people that have just found out about the band. And that for us, I mean, we obviously like and really uh, embrace all of the people that have been there from the very beginning, but also the people that have just discovered the band now and maybe via Edgar's documentary or maybe via the movie musical that we did called Annette they're coming at it with a different sort of perspective where they, they're kind of not weighed down by any of the past. So for them, the more current albums that we've done, the last three or four albums for them, those are even the, their point of reference and not the reference point of say from Kimono, my house from the, from the seventies or something. And that for us is a really refreshing kind of take, you know, to, to have where, there's a different uh, emphasis being placed by the people that are just sort of now getting into the band. So I think that's really a a healthy thing and something we really uh, relish.
0: One of the things that I kind of wanted to get some insight on was the fact that as a band, eventually you learned how to do your own production. You were your own producers. And to me, that is a total game changer. And of course, I feel that you learn from some of the best of the best, and obviously, Todd Rundgren comes to mind. That's one of the first ones. But tell me how that was a game changer for you. It really also opened my eyes to hear. I think it was Ron who said the studio itself can become an instrument. You know, not merely capturing the sound of the band, but I found that kind of profound. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, we. I mean, we we really have learned from the best, and that's the only reason why I think we're we have so much confidence that producing ourselves now can be done in a way that it's not compromising what we're doing. And, you know, we, we've had amazing producers. You mentioned Todd Rundgren. We've had Muff Winwood, Stevie Winwood's brother, who's produced those first couple of albums. And then we've had Tony Visconti, who we think is just absolutely uh unbelievable producer and kind of a tastemaker with all the bands he's been associated with, David Bowie and, T-Rex and all of some of the, you know, amazing, amazing, iconic bands. Going to the other end of the spectrum, there's Giorgio Moroder, who, you know, we learned amazing things from in the whole electronic kind of area. And so after having those people as kind of tutors, we, you know, eventually got brave enough to get our own small studio set up. And then, you know, the technology changed so that you can in fact do really good work in a studio that you know previously had to go into places that you know pay really exorbitant rates to be able to and sit there and have to watch the clock that you had to get stuff done fast and now we can work where we can just take as much time as we want and deliberate on stuff like ron had mentioned you know the studio just becomes kind of another musician in a way there's various ways now of kind of even writing that that were maybe not available to us um, when we first started.
0: One of the things I believe I I heard you talk about was the fact that the longer you've been doing this, the more emboldened you become to doing what you want. When do you feel you recall was the defining moment when you said, you know what, the hell with this. We're doing what we want. We love what we do. And we're going to keep going on this path.
1: Well, I mean, I think we've always kind of had that attitude where we feel that what we're doing is right and it's it's music that we don't hear out there in the universe. So we feel like, well, we've got to create music that we really want to hear that we feel is missing. And so I think from day one, we were kind of doing that, but even doing it without speaking about it. It's just something innate in what we do. And I think that then as time has gone on and as there's been kind of this resurgence in a certain way in a Discovery of the band at this late stage in our career, it kind of further emboldens us to try to push things further because we know there's an audience now that, I mean, there's always been an audience there, but we realize now that even more so, I think people are really wanting and expecting to be surprised by what we do. And so that's really makes it even more fun knowing that the audience and fans and even newcomers, you know, they. They don't want it to be retreading what Sparks has done. They want to be surprised. So we try to push it as much as we can. We always find, too, that if we, when we're doing stuff that is at its most extreme, that that also is the stuff that tends to stick more, too. It's, you know, if you become timid in what you're doing, then that's when things can sometimes not only be not true to your spirit, but then it also kind of, Maybe doesn't connect either with an audience. All
2: I do now is stick around. All I do now is stick around, stick around. Every day, every day. And just by design to reach the of academic, to be the captain of the team see do the things I say to do, and I will make a lot of bread and you will find me good in bed. I will push I will pull I will push I will pull, pull a and myself
1: the there may be humor in some of the songs but it seems like it's always running counter to some other level too where there's kind of a deeper and more emotional side to it and sometimes there's topics that may seem mundane but in the end they kind of bring about a deeper side to it and i think that that's where humor for us can work where it's not funny just to be funny as a one-line joke sort of it for what we're doing there has to be a a counter to the humorous elements when they're there and and that's when it the whole thing for us really works well
0: I actually have been telling everyone, you know, you you must see this documentary, even if you know absolutely nothing about this band. It's just an excellent primer. And again, um, cheers to Edgar Wright because I also found I also found it very funny. I was there were many moments where I was actually smiling and laughing out loud. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's wonderful to share the experience in, in such a great way
1: it's something that was, you know, like I said, a labor of love on Edgar Wright's part. And in the end, we were just so pleased that what came across was something that was not only entertaining to watch, but in the end also was kind of more emotional than we had even thought. We we didn't know that he could kind of bring out that side of the whole Sparks saga. And I think that that's what really resonates with a lot of people is just that kind of theme in a certain way of going your own course and not caring what others think and in the end that's the most important thing is just to have your creative vision intact and if it connects with people all the better and if it doesn't you're not a, a failure at that point if it hasn't connected because you have something tangible that you created to kind of be with you forever.